Hi, and welcome to another episode of Healthy Distractions, the show with two Marvel fanboys who talk all things Marvel, except for when we don't. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Matt. Captain Marvel. We saw from some set photos and some announcements that, well, we already know it's going to take place in the 90s, but it's also going to have Nick Fury and Agent Coulson and Ronan the the Accuser, whatever, in the movie. So would you say the movie's going to be a pseudo-prequel? I think the movie can be considered a prequel. We're going to get some introductions to a lot of the characters that we've already known and loved in the Marvel Universe, maybe with the exception of Coulson. But we'll have Ronan, who I think will be interesting to get his backstory, and we'll have Nick Fury, who I'm hoping we'll get to see him be like the spy in this movie. Maybe Not a lot. I don't want to take away from Captain Marvel, because I want to see a, a true Captain Marvel movie, and I want it to be her movie. But it'll still be fun to see a younger Nick Fury in, like, super spy mode. Well, really quick, can we unpack the whole Coulson thing? Yeah, do it up front. Do well, it up front. Because I'm not a fan either. I think maybe it was in Avengers where I started to get tired of him, where just he just came off kind of condescending and cold and just, eh. And the, it's just not funny anymore. <laughs> like, like, I don't know what... Kinda, the, it was kind of cute seeing him in Iron Man and then... It just got old really fast for me. But then it got old, yeah. So that's why I'm hoping that I can understand why he's in the movie. I feel like it'd be kind of weird if he wasn't, if you're going to have her be involved with S.H.I.E.L.D. But I'm hoping he doesn't get like a moment, like a Coulson moment to like appease the fans, because I don't think anyone's really clamoring for Agent Coulson. Now, do you think this can, I'm asking for both of us, do you think we don't like Coulson because he's been shoved down our throats with, we haven't watched it, but with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they brought him back really for almost no reason? No, I think. For me, it's it's just partially ra- irrational. Where I just it just rubs, rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we said our piece. Now we can actually just focus on what we want to see in this movie. And I hope, just like everybody everybody else, I hope Clark Greg does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> so it seems like the movie takes place before a lot of stuff we've seen before, which would imply that maybe they're going the prequel route. Not entirely, but you you can understand why I have some trepidation with that. Just because we haven't had the best track record with prequels for other franchises. To counter that, though, Marvel has been okay with the limited amount of prequel stuff that they've thrown at us. I don't really count Civil War. There are little flashbacks in Civil War as prequels. Right. But Captain America, the first Avenger, in itself is a prequel. It is a prequel to everything we've come to love about Captain America and the growth of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, I'm going to stop you right there. Is there Reddit memes for Captain America, First Avenger? No. Okay, well, then by definition, it's not a prequel. Okay, my bad. I understand what you're saying, though. So this is a prequel. It's an origin story for Captain Marvel that's going to take place in the 90s. But it's it's not a prequel to Captain Marvel. It's a prequel more so to the MCU and basically everything that's become since Iron Man, or basically since Iron Man. It's basically leading into the fact that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been around for however long. We're going to get some exposure to what Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. actually did know prior to Iron Man. And, you know, why he was able to come to Tony Stark with all of this information. So I hope it gives us an... I know we don't want to hear about S.H.I.E.L.D. because S.H.I.E.L.D. is dead. But I think it'll it'll be fun and it's important for this movie since S.H.I.E.L.D. has been such a big part of everything, you know, since... Um, you know, Howard Stark and Haley Atwell, or uh, 
I've heard Agent Carter, you know, started S.H.I.E.L.D. back, you know, whenever. No, and I think that's a really good point. Leading into what, what else I want to talk about was the fact that what this movie's going to do, hopefully it won't fall into those same trappings that we've seen in the other prequels. But the reason that like I wanted to do this episode was talk to briefly talk about the shortcomings of prequels we've seen in the past. And the biggest obvious ones which, which have been talked to death about are the Star Wars prequels and the Hobbit movies. Um, and then there's one more. Oh, and then Fantastic Beasts, for example. Where I think with the problems, the problem with those films, especially the Star Wars prequels, well, there's many problems with them. Yeah. <laughs> but my overall takeaway was they don't tell the audience anything that we don't already know. Like we already knew Darth Vader's gonna become Darth Vader, et cetera, et cetera. And we like, knew who was Darth Vader already. Right. And it doesn't add any insight to his character. It actually kind of takes away from a lot of those characters. And the same with The Hobbit, where they try to recapture the magic of Lord of the Rings, while also failing the source material, and nothing really worked out with that. And for The Hobbit, like you said, not only did they fail to get the same epicness or, you know, whatever the term you want to use as the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, but they also failed to really make a good Hobbit story. Now, I didn't read it. I know you read the book, but uh, from, it was just not it was not good. And even from someone who didn't read it, I was like, this movie one. There seems to be no purpose for this movie. It was bloated. It was bloated. And then you didn't need three movies to tell the story. And lastly, it failed to capture my imagination the way that Lord of the Rings did. In Lord of the Rings, you had this just these epic sets in this vast like wilderness and this massive world. And in The Hobbit, it doesn't it's not supposed to capture that, but they tried to go all out to see these magnificent places when it really should just be a fun romp. Almost. Well, no, exactly. I mean, in terms of the tone and the setting, it should have been something different. I think also, like with The Hobbit, for example, is, like you were saying, for the, for the Lord of the Rings movies, that was introductory to this whole world. And it was very fun to explore this world with the characters and see it through their eyes. And with The Hobbits, it's just sort of like, it's just there. Like, it's nothing new or exciting. It doesn't find a new interesting way to, to engage the audience. And that was sort of like with the Star Wars, Star Wars prequels, where, yes, at the surface level, there's space battles and lightsaber fights, but there's nothing behind those things. Like, we're not, we don't care about those characters. We don't understand their motivations. And it all feels very obligatory. And for the prequels, for the Star Wars prequels, you know, I, I think I would have almost gotten more value if they focused less on the Anakin story and the Darth Vader story and focus more on like the Jedi themselves, like the institution of the Jedi, and maybe even how that kind of contradicts or conflicts with the politics in the Senate, and maybe focus a little bit more on why Palpatine is where he is, who he is, and stuff like that. Like that would have given us a lot more information, I personally think, to why the Empire was able to rise up, take control, and basically eliminate the Jedi. And it and it felt like they just threw in a bunch of Jedi because lightsabers were cool and we wanted to see lightsabers. Lightsabers were cool. <laughs> were cool. And then before before you jump on to the next point, as far as Fantastic Beasts go, I didn't actually see this movie, so I don't want to comment too much on it. But from, from everything I've read and from everything I've heard, people actually really liked this movie. Like It seems like it was a good movie on paper and in execution as well. But I think you made the point that they they focus too much on 
what made Harry Potter great and the stakes that made Harry Potter very intriguing rather than just like making this a self-contained story in within the same universe. Right. I think you have the Hobbit, the Hobbit prequels and the Star Wars prequels as examples of prequels that fail. Fail from all aspects. Yes. Most aspects. They, they, didn't, they, they did not engage me at all. With Fantastic Beasts, uh, just to, to transition, that's a movie where I'm conflicted because the new characters and the new uh, world it, it, they inhabit is actually really exciting. I thought I had a really good time with that. But then they try to insert this whole plot with uh, Grindenwald and this wizard war and stuff where they're trying to make it basically the exact same conflict from the original Harry Potter. They're trying to recapture that exact same conflict. Uh, if there's a powerful wizard, we have to stop him. It's felt like the movie's being torn in two different directions. I think it mostly succeeds <clears throat> because I like the new characters and there was some, definitely a lot of care with them. It was definitely dragged down by what you were saying with the overinflated stakes. So for Captain Marvel or any time Marvel wants to go back in time with their MCU movies and tell those stories, I hope they're not trying to bandwagon from what came before. One prequel movie that I did enjoy that I think did a really good job of not only capturing the essence of the universe that it was in, but also by giving us a fresh new look on certain characters and getting us attached and even bringing in some Easter eggs from the originals, the original movies was Rogue One. Right. When Marvel moves forward with making these these historical timepieces or these prequels or these movies that take place prior to what we all know now, I think Rogue One would be a good example of that. Rogue One gave us an introduction to a whole slew of new characters that we didn't see before on top of introducing us or reintroducing it to us to some of the old characters that we've all come to love, like Leia and Vader, Vader and Tarkin. Tarkin. And all these, but it, it gave us a fresh perspective on what was going on in a different part of this universe during the whole epic of the Star Wars movies. And in this case, literally right before the movie. Right. It, it walked that very fine line between pandering to the fans of the original trilogy while still trying to tell a new story. And it made the new characters that they introduced just as captivating as the old one. Like by the time that movie was over... We all, I think, had an idea that these characters had to die. Otherwise, where are they in the Star Wars universe, right? Right. They still made me feel compassion and like sadness when I inevitably saw these characters die at the end. But it made you feel something. But it made me feel something. And that's one thing that like the Hobbit movies and the Star Wars prequels did not do. I was not attached to any of these characters within any of these movies. And the only reason that... I have any attachment to Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan is because of the prequel memes <laughs> and because I want to see him in his own in his own Obi-Wan movie. Well, not to get too off topic, at the end of the third Hobbit movie, there's a scene when Bilbo says goodbye to the dwarves, and it's actually very emotional, and I was very engaged in that one scene. But I'm like, oh, this is great. Why couldn't the last nine hours been like this? Yeah. It always stuck with me with these Hobbit movies, and it just bothers me that I just want to call it out. The second movie, the way it ended... It, it ended on this like epic note where they get to the castle and they wake the drag they wake Smaug. 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 And he's flying to the town that's on water, basically about to wreck havoc. Mm -hmm. And then the third movie opens up and that battle scene lasts a whole like two minutes. They kill the dragon, he falls into the ocean, and mm -hmm. that's it. It's like you set up for this whole epic thing and it was just a complete letdown in the third movie. 
No, no. And that was what we were talking about before where uh, there's that YouTuber, Lindsay Ellis, did she did a really good takedown of, not takedown, but analysis of these films. And she makes that, that point. There's no reason why structurally that film should have ended the way it ended and the third one should have started the way it started and how it's just a mess to say the least. And that actually goes back to what you were saying about Rogue One, how that really tapers right into, seamlessly into episode four. And how for these Marvel films, I'm not too worried, but I'm hoping that when they, if they're going to explore, like fill in the gaps between what we've seen before, when they fill in those gaps, it's not forced or artificial. It is like a perfect, it's, it's, just, it's like placing a puzzle piece into a, this larger tapestry. Exactly. I hope that when they do release Captain Marvel and we are seeing some of these characters again, like Ronan and Nick Fury and even Coulson, they're not relying too much on the goodwill of those characters in these later Marvel movies. And they're really focused on bringing Captain Marvel's character to light and making her a force to reckon with within the MCU. Well, doing her justice the way they did justice for T'Challa. Exactly. And a good example of this from Rogue One is how they brought Darth Vader into it. He came in during little, little, little scenes throughout the movie, but he wasn't like a huge presence throughout the entirety of this movie. He was almost like, you know, he's there, but we're not going to show him because that's what the original Star Wars trilogy was for episodes four through six. The scene with Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One, where he's going through the hallway and just killing all those people, that in itself is one of the best Darth Vader scenes ever. Right. In my opinion, and it was one of the best ways to give us like a, a nice shout out to the character or send off a send off to the character since that's hopefully the last time we'll see him on screen. Hopefully, but I don't want to see them focus too much on like Coulson or you know, even Nick Fury to a certain extent. Well, this is what we were talking about how it would be weird if Nick Fury or Coulson are not in the movie, where given when it takes place. And maybe what they're trying to do with the world building, with exploring this cosmic threat between the Skrulls and the Kree. It'd be weird if you don't have those characters in there, because then you'd be asking throughout the whole movie, where's Nick Fury? Where's where's Shield? Like what's going on? But if you but so you have to you kind of have to have them in the movie, but by having having them in the movie, it cannot be distracting, or hopefully will not be distracting. There was another point too that I wanted to make that I'm that I almost might be nitpicking on, but if okay. Nick Fury is in this movie and he's had knowledge of Captain Marvel this whole time and of her powers and, you know, whatever else. Why hasn't she been brought up? It would be a retcon thing, but why hasn't she been brought up at all during the rest of the MCU? Would this be something that actually bothers you? As, as ever the Marvel apologist, I feel that the questions that we're asking about the world building and what you just said, I'm guessing that they have answers for those. And we'll have to wait and see until we see her movie and then Avengers 4. But I hope it is addressed. It, it would be really weird if... For, I mean, for example, Thanos and his army is coming to Earth. And you have Captain Marvel, who's this super powerful character who exists in the cosmos. And she's not involved or aware of this. That would be kind of weird. Yeah. So I, I hope they find a way to uh, address that. And to seamlessly introduce her into Avengers 4, which is where we're assuming she's going to be. Well, I think she's definitely confirmed for Avengers 4. Okay. The way that Black Panther was a great movie to do before Avengers 3, because we've now seen Wakanda and we know what it's all about, and how, from what I've read, Avengers 3, the climax takes place in Wakanda with this final battle. I feel we'll see Captain Marvel, and that will open up this whole new world 
in the, in the MCU, and that would be a good lead into Avengers Four. Hopefully, it will be like proportionally the same thing. Yeah, I think post Infinity War or post Avengers Four, it also allows Marvel an opportunity to dive into these new worlds. I think that would just that would be an extension of of what's come before, but on a larger scale where. The MCU's done a really good job with. You now have the Magic Universe. You have the you have the Guardians Cosmic Universe, and you have the Earth based Universe. And this would just be blowing that up in a good way. And soon we'll have the Micro Universe. The Micro the Microverse, where they're going to keep making these movies, so on and so forth. So it's like, okay, well, for this one, let's just do an adventure in this universe. It doesn't necessarily have to tie exactly into what everything's come before, but we can go off and have an adventure in the Microverse or have an adventure in space doing this, not just with the Guardians. So it just gives them more options to tell stories. Yeah, and this is the this is this is the last thing I wanted to bring up was the prologue to Ant Man in 1989 with uh, Peggy Carter and Howard Stark and um, Hank Pym. That w- I I really like that little just that little scene. I'm hoping Captain Marvel is kind of an expansion of that, where oh you're very familiar with these characters and settings, but that's not the focus. Just to pander to what you've seen before. Yeah. For I mean, and for example, I would love to see maybe a Hank Pym, Janet, Janet Van, whatever her name is, I can't think of it right now. Hank Pym and his wife going on one of their adventures back in the '60s. Like you could do a spy James Bond movie with Ant Man and Wasp, so on and so forth. So there's plenty of avenues to to explore in the past, but just trying to watch out for these pitfalls. Another way they could go into the past too would be if and when they actually do get the rights to. A character like Wolverine, we can see those historical pieces with like Wolverine and Sabretooth, and somehow you don't have to necessarily tie them into the greater universe, but you know they can have some little hints here and there throughout the movies, little Easter eggs that link up almost to the newer MCU or the modern day MCU. Right, and that goes into what we were talking about with Black Panther, or even such as Incredible Hulk, where those movies clearly fit into this universe. But they're not dependent on the universe. Correct. To tell the story. Yeah. Incredible Hulk. That's a good one, huh? It's as if I'm almost tipping my hat to the next episode. (laughs) So those are just some of my thoughts and concerns for prequels in general. I think we all have prequel anxiety for a good reason. But if any studio studio can pull it off, and if there's two fanboys who will blindly follow that studio into any direction they take, it's definitely us. It's definitely us. So, Matt, what has been your healthy distraction this week? I've been re-watching the first season of Preacher to try to catch up my girlfriend so we can watch season two finally before season three is released later. Season one still holds up. I'm actually finding myself still as intrigued as I did when I first watched it. And now that I have a little bit more idea of what the story is and where it ends up, I think I'm enjoying it a little more the second go around. It doesn't seem like it's dragging on, which it did a little bit, I think, the first time I watched it, especially the first few episodes. But um, I'm excited to watch season two, so that's going to be my healthy distraction within the next week or two. For now, rewatching Preacher season one has been great. How about you? My healthy distraction, I just finished a book called Dead Wake by Eric Larson. What is it called? Dead Wake. Okay. Like Wake, like W-A-K-E? Yes. Okay. <laughs> he writes, it's, it's a historical book, and he, but he writes it like a novel, where it's about the sinking of the Lusitania, which was a catalyst for America entering World War One, which is the setting for Wonder Woman, so this ties into our, our theme, yay. <laughs> but he he just writes like a dream. I can't describe it better than that, where he just goes through 
the people on the ship right before it sank and you get to know these people and it feels like you're actually there and it's very visceral and entertaining and engaging it's not just throwing facts at you it tells a really interesting story of the people in the boat before it sinks and then also the germans in the submarine who sank the boat and humanizes it all and puts in a really interesting context and so I'm actually going to check out one of his other books after this, but it's it's really good. And what I, was it called again? Deadly Wake? Uh, Dead Wake. Dead Wake. Okay. Yes. High marks. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, as always, I've been Jeremy. And I've been Matt. Later.